Okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, as we thought about your greatness this morning and how majestic you are in the works of your hands and how glorious you are, Lord, and your wisdom, God, uh, we, just, we just praise you for that. And as we read today's scripture and we think about your words, Lord, just help us just to focus on your wisdom and how to apply it to our lives, Lord. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in James again. Most of you know, when I've been getting the opportunity to get up here, I've been uh, preaching through James. And so uh, we're going to be in James chapter 3, and we're going to start with verse 13. So James chapter 3, starting with verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitterness, envy, and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For, there is envy, for where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, then gentle, then compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruits of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. And so as we focus on God's wisdom today, we're going to see through this passage that there are two types of wisdom, and that is God's wisdom and our wisdom. And God's wisdom is glorious, miraculous, and our wisdom, according to the God, God's word, is foolishness and uh, is not really wisdom. And so when we think about wisdom, I guess the best way that I've been able to describe it, and I've used this illustration a lot, so I've probably worn it out, but uh, it's the best way that I've remembered the difference between wisdom and knowledge, because sometimes we can get that confused, is that knowledge would say that tomato's a fruit. Wisdom would say, don't put the tomato in the fruit salad, okay? So the difference is knowing something versus how to apply that knowledge. And I don't like tomatoes, so I don't know why I use that illustration, but it made the most sense to me, and I thought it was clever. So, um, so when we think about God's wisdom, you know, we talked earlier this morning about how his wisdom is displayed through his creation, and we'll talk a little more about that today, but also through um, his instruction for our lives and, and the depth of his thoughts that's how his wisdom is displayed. And so, and so we oftentimes ignore that wisdom. And when we do to ignore that wisdom, the wisdom that he gives us uh, to guide our lives, we're ignoring the fact that he wants to keep us safe. And he wants to give us a path that's, that's prosperous. Not in the sense of like being prosperous with money, although that, that can somewhat happen when you apply some of the principles that God has for you for your life, but prosperous in the way of blessed, being blessed and joyful in our lives. And so... His wisdom can do that, and it really is to keep us safe, in a, in a manner of speaking. That there's a way, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto us, but it leads to death. So there's a way that feels right, it seems right to us, but it leads to death. It leads to destruction, it destroys our lives. And so I, I think about this when I talk to our youth sometimes, and, and I, you know, I, try, I try to explain to them uh, the things that I've learned, because as, as adults, as all of us that have been through life, we've learned a little bit uh, that we can... Hopefully that we've learned a little bit that we can apply to our lives. And so I try to tell them, don't go down these paths. Don't go down the paths where you're wasting your life and you're, you're participating in things that aren't going to bring you meaning and value. And I try to tell them that because I've gone down those paths. And I wasted about, I'd say, a good 10 years of my life going down those paths. 
And so I try to explain that to him. Now, the thing of it is, is that I was explained to that growing up. Like my dad and my mom, they explained those things to me, and I still took that path. And so, in essence, like I tell him, like, like some of you guys are still going to go down that path, and you're going to have to learn the hard way. And so when you get down that path and you realize that everything I've told you is correct, it's full of emptiness, it's full of brokenness, there's no meaning or purpose into it, God is still waiting for you to turn back to him. And he's still patiently there for you when to trust him. But that's trusting in our wisdom. You know, the reason why our parents have wisdom when we're kids and we're growing up is that they want to protect us. Most of the time, they want to protect us. I remember, you know, one of the first things you do as a kid is like you see the stove on and you want to touch the stove. And your mom's like, no, don't touch the stove. That'll burn your fingers off. But for some reason, because she's told me not to, I'm going to do that. And then pretty soon you find out why she told you not to touch the stove because it's not a pleasant feeling. So God's wisdom is like that for our lives. And so the Bible shows us there are two types of wisdom, God's wisdom and our wisdom. And God reveals his wisdom through his spirit through his spirit, but more specifically to us, God reveals his wisdom through his word. That if we read these passages, there's plenty of God's wisdom in here to correct us and, and make our lives, make us go the way that's going to be the most beneficial to us. And so it's, it's through the Old Testament. There's tons of, there's four different wisdom literature books in the Old Testament. It's through the words of Jesus and the teachings that come through his prophets and apostles and everyone. And so... His wisdom exists. And in the, in the Old Testament, there's four different books that, that show us wisdom. They're literally just called the wisdom literature books. And you can get all sorts of wisdom. It's Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Songs of Solomon. And, and so those things are a good place to start if you want wisdom. Job has tons of wisdom. And so you can break the type of wisdom that's in the Bible into two categories, okay? Practical and speculative. Practical wisdom and speculative wisdom. And so practical wisdom, they're separate here, practical wisdom consists of guidelines that help us live our lives and give us more meaningful lives and, and um, help us live the best life that we can on this earth. Um, and so practical would be an example of that, would be what we most find in the Psalms. That uh, Here's an example of what practical wisdom would be. Proverbs 4.10 says, Listen, my son, accept my words, and you will live many years. So I'm going to give you guidelines to live by, and if you listen and you apply that to your life, then you'll live many years. Right? That's practical. That's something that you can apply to your lives. Proverbs 21 says, The person who loves correction loves knowledge, but anyone who hates a rebuke is stupid. I primarily use that one because I thought that that was funny, the way he phrased that. But it's true. Like If we hate God correcting us in our lives, and we hate for him telling us what we should do and shouldn't do, we're not very wise. And in essence, we are, in a sense, being a little foolish in our thinking that we can just do this on our own. Proverbs 20.19 says, The one who reveals secrets is a constant gossip. Avoid someone with a big mouth. Okay, so I think that's pretty wise advice. Uh, <laughs> and so, so God has those practical things that he, you, if you follow that advice, it can lead you down a path where you're more secure and safe. He talks about money in Proverbs, talks about laziness and how we should treat others. And so those are things that you can practically apply to your life. Now, speculative wisdom is a little different. Speculative wisdom goes deeper than practical wisdom. And so those things are the kind of things that we talk about, the meaning of life, what life is about, the existence of evil in this world. Those are deeper. Those are things that we don't just 
We don't just know the answer to all the time. There's things that God wants to reveal to us, and that's where we find the meaning and purpose of our lives. And it's meaning and purpose that gives us a reason to be here. Without a reason to be here, life can be really hard sometimes. If none of this makes sense, and we're all just here, and it's just random chaos, like some people believe that like this, all of this just happened, then life can be pretty difficult and there's no purpose to it. But God does give us purpose to life. And so true wisdom, true wisdom comes from God. Human wisdom is foolishness. Romans 13 verse, or Romans 11 verse 33, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. So we can search God's wisdom for our whole lives and never come to an end. There's constantly wisdom that's there to be found, that's good for our lives. It's full of riches. Uh, human wisdom is the exact opposite. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom that is of the world is foolishness with God. Since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And so we can look around and we can see the mis- wisdom of, uh, of mankind around in this country and all over the world. Like the, the wisdom that we're going to talk about is very self-focused. And so, I, you know, we talked about earlier about the wisdom, like those things are practical that apply to us, but we talked earlier about the wisdom of God. And so we might wonder where we first see God's wisdom. And we first see God's wisdom in Genesis chapter 1 through 2 when he creates things. That's what we talked about in Psalm 104, verse 24 earlier today. It said, how many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. And so that displays his wisdom. I don't know about you, but I can't create what God's created. You know, in my head, if I try to imagine my own world, my own universe, I'm already picturing a sphere which God created. So I have to borrow from what God created in order to imagine my own. I'm not as wise as God, and none of us are. Like, all we know is what God's created. And so, it reminds me of a joke that I was once told, that uh, there was this scientist who thought he could do better than God. And so the scientist, uh, God said, okay, you want to you challenge? Then we'll do this. How about you create a person, and I'll create a person, and we'll just see who does a better job. He's like, okay, you're on. I think I can do that. And so God begins to pull from the dust of the earth, because that's where we're created from, to create a person. Well, the scientist sees what he's doing, and he begins to dig up some dirt. And God said, wait a minute, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm just going to create a person. I figured I'd start with some dirt. He said, whoa, whoa, no, no, get your own dirt. That's mine. And, and so in order to create, like everything's God's, none of it belongs to us, and all of it shows God's wisdom. And so we completely depend on God in, in everything. Like our next breath comes from him, and it all fits together in a unique way. So where does wisdom of human nature first come into play? Well, that's chapter 3 of Genesis, and that's the fall. Human wisdom is rooted in what's best for me. And so that's, that's really behind Adam and Eve's fall was what was best for me. You know, that they wanted to eat of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil and they wanted to be like God because they wanted to elevate themselves. And so what's wrong with the fruit of knowledge of good and evil? Why couldn't they just have it? Because essentially, the knowledge of good and evil is just wisdom. Knowing the difference between right and wrong. What's wrong with knowing wisdom? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with knowing wisdom. God, wisdom is good. But what's wrong is when... Um, is when we try to go outside of God to get it for ourselves. When we try to go get it apart from God. Because anytime we have wisdom apart from God and we are not have God guiding us in that, we pervert wisdom. We need God to guide us. 
Because we begin to decide what's good and what's not good. We blur the lines between evil and good, and we see that all around us. We call good evil, and we call evil good. And that's our wisdom. We do what we want with it because we elevate ourselves. We need God to guide us. The fall separated us from God and true wisdom, and it's in our nature to pervert wisdom. Proverbs 26, 12 says this, Do you see a person who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for the fool than for him. So we think we're wise, we think we're intelligent, but our wisdom and intelligence can be undone just like that. It's not very stable, it's not very good, and, and, and we, there's more hope for a fool than there is for us. Arrogance and confidence in self, confidence in self, leads us away from trusting in God, and we become like fools. And so that's where Jesus came into play. Jesus' goal is coming into this world was to lead us back, to show us wisdom, to show us the way. You know, that's why he was called the light of the world, that he enlightens us, that he shows us the truth. And that's why he came into this world, to, to get us on the right track, to, to invite us to go his way instead of our own, to deny ourselves. And through Jesus, we're reconciled to God, given the Holy Spirit, and given a desire to pursue God's wisdom and to change. We have a desire to change through what Jesus does in our hearts. So verse 13, verse 13, Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in gentleness and comes from wisdom. So the root of wisdom, the root of our wisdom is self-seeking. That's what it's all about, that we seek what's best for ourselves. But the root of God's wisdom is self-denial, and that's also known as humility. If we have wisdom, then we rec- if we have true wisdom, then we ne- recognize that we need to be humble. Humility is the beginning of godly wisdom. Until I am humble, I'm not going to turn to God for wisdom. I'm going to trust my own wisdom. I will continue to go my own way according to my own wisdom. And so C.S. Lewis defines wisdom as this, or defines humility as this, is that it's not thinking less of myself, but it's thinking of myself less. He's a a great theologian, very smart guy. Um, So it's not really just like tearing myself down and reminding myself that I can't do anything right. It's thinking of myself less. It's forgetting myself. That's what humility is. Forgetting yourself and shifting your focus to first God and then others. And that's why Jesus tells us time and time again to deny ourselves, because we're not designed to be all about ourselves, even though we naturally gravitate for what's best for ourselves. Um, I once was told, there was a period where I went to a seminary for a short time, uh, one semester in, in, um, in Midwestern in Missouri, and I remember it stuck with me, because I really had to think about what he meant. Uh, he He defined holiness as this, for our human way, that holiness would be the absence of an egocentric state, right? So an absence of an egocentric state. If I could forget myself, if I could not focus on my desires and my wants, if I could just solely focus on God and others, I could keep the Ten Commandments perfectly. Like if I could do away with myself, but we can't because of our fallen nature. But that's our wisdom. It's all about us. We are humble, forgetting self, there will be evidence of that. James says that works is shown, no, the good works of good conduct, so when we behave and we treat others good, uh, it shows that we have wisdom, okay? Wisdom shows us to put God first and how we should treat others. 
what we are to do with our actions and words towards others and how we're to worship God and, and, serve our li- and give our lives for him. And so that's the display of true wisdom, not that we think we're wise in our own eyes. But uh, verse 14 says, But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. And so don't boast and deny the truth. So selfishness is the root of all sin. What I want instead of what's best for those around me. What I want instead of what God wants for my life. Selfishness is the foundation of sin. Our fallen nature is primarily selfish. What we want for ourselves. We wake up in the morning, we do what's best for ourselves. We look in the mirror for long periods of time, we focus on self quite a bit. I mean, it's just all around us. Um, So the selfishness of Adam and Eve led to partake in the fruit of knowledge of good and evil because they ignored what God said, so that's already focusing on self over God, but they also ignored what would happen to the rest of mankind, that they were focused on self. And so it's selfishness in us that must be undone. And you can find that in Jesus' teachings over and over and over again. And Jesus pointed that out time and time again. We could end poverty. Think about this for a moment. We as Christians in this country could end poverty, but we don't. Collectively, we could end poverty in this country, but we don't because we're focused too much on ourselves. We could do a lot of things if we weren't focused on ourselves. So when I put my happiness as a priority, I am failing at being humble. And I do this far too often in my life, and we all do. Um, I'm no exception to this, just because I stand up here and preach. I fail just as much as anybody else. This is why Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, because if we don't, we'll continue to sin against God and won't even care. Because our allowing ourselves to focus on ourselves destroys who we are and who we're supposed to be in Christ. Bitterness. It talks about bitterness in that verse. If you have selfishness, talked about bitterness somewhere. Uh, if you have selfish ambitions and desires, that comes from bitterness. Bitterness is rooted in selfish envy. Envy comes from selfish ambitions and desires, and it's all in the foundation of what's best for me. So in, in America, we're led to think, and it's not just America, it's other places too, but in America, we're led to think this way, that what's best for you? And growing up, and even now, watching all the commercials that come on TV, it's about this can make you happy. This is what's most important in your life. Focus on this. And so it, it's, it's really, that's what becomes, it's a brainwashing to a certain extent. It's hard to undo that kind of thinking because we've been taught that for so long. And so James says, if we think we're wise, but we're seeking self, then we're not wise. So verse 15, such wisdom, the selfishness, the wisdom that we claim we have, such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfishness, ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. So seeking what is best for myself, making myself a priority, is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And so selfishness, by definition, is the motivation. This is what selfishness is. The motivation to elevate oneself, to put, others, uh, to put, some, to put themselves above the wants and needs of others. We think we're important. Um, and it's demonic. And that's a blunt way to put it. Why is it demonic? It's demonic because that's the way that original sin was created. 
That's what Satan said to Adam and Eve. It was the lie that he told them. If you eat this fruit, then you will be like God and your eyes will be open. So that right there was the desire to elevate ourselves above God. That your eyes will be open. That's selfish ambition as he's talking about here. And it's what caused us to fall as the human race. Making ourselves the priority is evil and it's not God's plan for the wisdom in our lives. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, then gentle, then compliant, and full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense. So James is making it clear what godly wisdom looks like here. It's very different than our wisdom and how we live when we're selfish and when we're all about ourselves and we're seeking what's best for us. And so basically these are the fruits of the Spirit. So you can look at these, and this is the evidence of wisdom in our life, but it's also the evidence of being a child of God. That First of all, wisdom is pure. Nothing about it is flawed or evil or selfish. It's peace-loving, which means our wisdom should desire to avoid conflict and create peace. It's full of mercy and good fruits. And so we ask ourselves, are we being merciful to others? Because if we have wisdom, then we're going to seek to be merciful to others. And... Um, it's unwavering, and many of the versions say it's impartial. It's impartial, and so that's that God's wisdom is for everyone. It doesn't just hold out for certain people. It's for all of us, and it's without pretense. It doesn't try to be something that it's not, and oftentimes it's easy for us as Christians to show up to our churches and, and, just, and try to be someone that we may not be outside of church, but God sees our hearts. He knows our hearts, and it displays that we don't have God's wisdom. None of us are perfect in these things, and oftentimes we know that our hearts, we know our hearts better than anyone around us who knows. We can fool ourselves, but we know whether or not we are growing in these areas. Um, Jesus, Jesus said, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds, that our deeds and our actions and our lives will show that we're wise. And so when we are self-seeking, living by our wisdom, these things don't come out as natural as when we're living by God's wisdom. And so we bear these characteristics. We only bear the characteristics of good wisdom and pure fruit when we're spending time with God and we're making him a priority and we're seeking his wisdom. Otherwise, we still bear the wisdom of the world. It doesn't mean that we're lost because we're all going to fall into this trap, but when we, when we're best displaying God's wisdom when we're close to him, when we're spending our days with him, when we're reading his word and spending time in prayer. And so, verse 18... And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. And so true peace, as we're thinking about peace, is only possible when those involved are not looking out for self. If we all seek what is good for others instead of ourself, then peace naturally comes. The wisdom of God gives us help. The wisdom of God gives us help and it helps us live our lives that cultivate peace. So the closer we are to God, the more wisdom we have, and the more we're going to want to make peace. And we're not going to worry as much about ourselves. Our wisdom will not allow us to be peacemakers, because our wisdom focuses on what we want, what our desires are. And it will always conflict with somebody else's wants and desires. And so if we're focused on our wants instead of doing what's best for others, it's going to conflict with their wants and desires, and there can't be peace in that scenario. 
And we argue with each other, we get angry with each other, and it's because we're focused on how we're elevated, how we can get what we want out of life. And that's where the greatest flaws are. That's why we're so divided in this country, because everybody's seeking their own way. Because everybody's focused on their own wisdom and what they want, what they can get out of life. And that's not the way God designed us to be. Especially as Christians, we're designed to live in harmony with each other, but then with the world. Like to seek to show love with the world and be peaceful towards those with the world. But we can't if we're focusing on what's best for us. We can't. We see that all around us. People, what's best for me? And we divide into groups. This group versus that group. Because of our wisdom, our wisdom leads us to be against other people. And that's what this whole passage is showing us. That that will never create an atmosphere of peace. And as Christians, we're to be called peacemakers. That we're supposed to bring peace into the atmosphere. We inherit the earth. Our wisdom creates wars, leaves people in poverty, violates the free will of others, and goes against the very will of God. God wants us to give, God wants us to give, God wants to give us real wisdom that does the opposite of that. Wisdom that saves us from selfishness and the consequences of selfishness. And so the Bible tells us to ask God for wisdom. In fact, in James chapter 1, where we read earlier, and, and we, it says that if you lack wisdom, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to you generously. You know, He wants to give us wisdom. Solomon, King Solomon in the Old Testament, wanted more than anything to have wisdom, God's wisdom, and so God gave it to him. Now, he didn't, he didn't live according to that wisdom throughout his whole life. In fact, he became very foolish later in his life, but God wants to give us that. Right? And so, like, that's one thing that he will definitely give us. If we, if we, he's, he may not give us everything that he wants, but he will give us, as Christians, what's going to equip us to best be godly children, to be his children, to display his glory. He will give us the things that we need. So when we ask for wisdom and good things like patience and, and seeking to, to love others more, he will give those to us because that's why we're here. We're not just here to live for ourselves in our own kingdom and our own world and to build up our own country and to do all these things and focus on what's best for us now. We're here to focus on the kingdom of heaven and live that out through our wisdom and how we treat others and how we are towards others and how we speak to others. That, that was the last sermon that we talked about was the tongue Taming the tongue, how we speak to others. That shows whether we're wise or not and how we talk to others. God's wisdom is completely different than our wisdom. The problem is, most of the time, we don't want to abandon our own wisdom because we think that if we abandon our own wisdom and we abandon the things that God says not to, to attach to in this world, that we won't be fulfilled, that we'll lose our happiness. And that's a very me-centered way of focusing, and we all do it. We all build our own kingdoms at periods in our lives. And our wisdom tells us that, li our wisdom tells us that living to, for ourselves is what will most fulfill us. That's human wisdom. And human wisdom is sin. We oftentimes don't want to give up our sin because there's everything inside of us that tells us that if we give it up, we can't find joy in this world and we won't be happy. No, we, we're deceived at times in our lives. We think that if we can't make ourselves a priority, then we'll miss out on what makes us feel good. You know, when you think about happiness and we think about the fact that in this country... Sometimes we, we have the priority of chasing the American dream. 
which the American dream is the pursuit of happiness. And there's nothing wrong with happiness, but when we pursue happiness over God and over his will in our lives, it makes it all about us. And so God doesn't mind happiness in our lives, but he doesn't want us to be pursuing that all the time. Because happiness is a feeling that comes and goes. Right? It's dependent on what you have or don't have, the people in your lives versus the people, you know, when you lose those things, your, your happiness can fade. And he doesn't want us to focus on happiness. He wants to focus on him. And he can give us a life more joyful than the one that we seek when we're in happiness. Because it's hard to grasp happiness. It's hard to hold on to happiness. Believe me, I know. It doesn't stay around very long. And so God wants to give us wisdom to show us, hey, there's a way, there's a way that seems right, that feels right to us. There's a way that like, you feel like if you go this way, you're going to find the most joy. Don't go that way. And it goes contrary to everything we think about life. Because in life, we would never guess to do some of the things that God shows us to do. That it's more blessed to give than to receive. That we should love our enemies. Like, that doesn't make sense to us, naturally. Like, we have to have somebody show us that. We would never think of that. For us, it seems natural that when somebody gets us, we get them back. You know, I tell my youth that all, like, when I bring it up in, in, on Wednesday nights, I say, you know, we're supposed to love our enemies. It's like, why would anybody do that? And it's like, you're right. Like, it doesn't seem like we should do that. But Jesus says there's more reward in loving our enemy than not. We would never think that way in our own wisdom. We would think that it's just, just get them back. Just say something to take a dig at them because they've hurt you, so it's okay to hurt them. That's our wisdom. That's what got this country in the way that it's at right now. Because this country is so focused on self. It's so focused on what's best for me that people are so against each other. They don't follow the principles of God because they think they're foolishness. All the while, Jesus tells us, the Bible tells us that our wisdom is foolishness. Because our wisdom created all this mess all over the world. So that's Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a person, but it ends in the way to death. That we live by what we feel instead of the hope that God gives us. Because happiness doesn't always come when you follow Jesus. I mean, there's times where you'll have spells of your life where you're not happy, but you can find fulfillment during those times and you can have contentment Paul tells us in the Bible that he learned what it means to have a lot in life and he learned what it means to have a little in life and still have hope in God without having everything that the world tells you you think you need to have. The world tells you you need to have this in order to be happy. But having God is much greater than any sort of possession, any sort of amount of riches that we can find on this earth. We think opposite of the way God designed us to think. And so because we think this way, we, can, we can't see true wisdom on our own. We need God to show that to us. We need to deny ourselves because that's the opposite of our wisdom. Our wisdom says embrace ourselves, love ourselves. God's wisdom says, no, I didn't create you to be that way. I didn't create you to focus on self. I didn't create you to live an earthly dream that's going to perish. I created you to embrace more. I created you to embrace a purpose where you're living a fulfilling life, where you're loving God and you're loving others, and that's the most joy that you will find in life. Not in your own wisdom, not in seeking what's good for yourself, but in God. Loving God and loving others. To follow Jesus means to die to self and pursue God. Sometimes we can miss that message of what Jesus is telling us, that it's all about you and I. We're not as important 
we're not the main thing in this world. That God is the main thing. And finding the most joy comes from godly wisdom in this life. We can miss out on that when we chase our own dreams. We can miss out on that when we follow our own selfish desires. God has a life for all of us that is full of wisdom, that leads us to a very meaningful, fulfilling life. Let's not waste that wisdom. He gives it to us. Practical wisdom that shows us that if you live this way, you're going to find joy in your life, you're going to find fulfillment in your life. You may not always be happy, but you'll be the most fulfilled if you live this way, as opposed to living according to yourself. God shows us that. That's God's wisdom. But if you live for self, what is it? A man who gains the whole world but loses his soul. You can have everything in this world. You can have all the earthly wisdom in this world and still have nothing. So you've found that wisdom because God has made a way to that wisdom and it's through Jesus, through being born again. That Jesus came into this world and died for our sins so that we could be forgiven and we can be brought into a relationship with God because it's apart from God that we, we struggle and we trust our own wisdom. But it's in that relationship with God that we trust his wisdom. And we become his children. We live according to what he's made for us to live. And that's the most fulfilling life. And all you have to do is trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. That he died, he was raised from the dead. And then turn away from that sin. Turn away from following your own wisdom to follow him. And I promise you it'll be the most meaningful life. For years I've spent time in my own wisdom, chasing my own things, what would be best for me. And in moments of those times it was great, but those moments didn't last. I ended up being more broken, more broken, more empty every time I went down that path. Don't go down that path. Turn away from going your own way. Follow God's wisdom and let him change your heart. And you'll find the most in this life while you're here. Because life is short, and if you spend it on yourself, you've wasted it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we just thank you for all that you do for us, for your wisdom, for your goodness, God, that you share with us openly, Lord. God, we thank you for who you are, that you love us in spite of our flaws and our mistakes and the fact that we turn to our wisdom far too often, God, but you still wait for us. You still wait for us to turn away from ourselves, to deny ourselves, and to turn back to you, God. I pray that you'll work in all of our hearts because all of us struggle with selfishness. And God, I pray that you would just help us to see the rewards in giving up our wisdom for your wisdom, God. To see the meaning and the purpose and the joy that we can find in following you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to do a pastoral prayer here for a moment. That uh, Just time for you to talk to God and just pray to him and open up your heart to some of the things we've talked about, to giving him your burdens, and then just spending that time maybe getting our hearts right with God. And so we'll have a few moments of silence, and then I'll pray, and then we'll close with a song. So. Mm-hmm.